When I first agreed to run for president, to serve as president of the Board of Trustees, it was, a, it was about a year ago. It was well before the coronavirus pandemic. But by the time I was elected in June, we were in the midst of a global health pandemic, the worst economic collapse in almost all of our lifetimes. Millions and millions of lives around the world have been affected. Many of our family, our friends, fellow members have been impacted, whether by the human toll or by the financial toll. I was, I was filled with fear when the new board was installed. When we had our first board meeting in July, we had a lot of, a lot of questions about our financial sustainability. We were a brand new young board. Despite having made progress on our capital campaign over the past couple of years, despite having finished last fiscal year ahead of budget due to your generosity, we didn't know what the future would hold. Between making the hard but correct decision to close our doors until we could meet together safely and the impact of the recession on many of our members' abilities to meet their financial commitments, I, along with the rest of the board, we were faced with the potential of having to make some really hard decisions if push came to shove. But then something really amazing happened. All of you, you happened. Under Reverend Nika's leadership, through the hard work and skill of our staff and an absolute army of volunteers, we recreated our spiritual home right here on Zoom and through other online tools. We built a new way of worshiping together, using technology to keep connected and to continue our spiritual practices. Our hunger for the nourishment that Chalice provides led you all to meet, to meet this moment. It wasn't, wasn't just in rebuilding how we worship and connect. Our financials honestly haven't been this strong in years. There's a lot of combinations that are responsible for that. And the biggest is that most of you have been able to continue your financial support. Some of you have been able to actually increase your giving. This has gone a long way towards helping keep our financial momentum moving in the right direction. Now, I wanna say, for those of you who have struggled financially during this pandemic, and not being able to, to meet your pledge, rest easy, dear hearts. What you were giving us in this moment is enough. You were loved and we feel your love for Chalice. I also wanna shine a light on our treasurer and the finance committee for the actions that they took earlier this year to make sure we had the financial resources to protect Chalice from economic disaster. Now, all of this is just a prelude to a simple statement. I am more grateful to all of you than I can put into words. I'm also grateful for all of you. But, but what is gratitude? What really is it? Most definitions say it's just the state or quality of being thankful, 
readiness to show appreciation. But for me, I, I think that's a shallow definition. I don't think it goes far enough. And as a Unitarian Universalist, if I want to make gratitude part of my daily, daily spiritual practice, there has to be more. Um, I'll use Thanksgiving as a good example. If ever there was a year to go back to the roots of the harvest festivals that are as old as agriculture itself, 2020 is, is certainly it. The reality is food production has become a commodity business dominated by large companies and manufacturing. Now, in and of itself, that's not a bad thing. We can't all be farmers. But the farm is faceless and nameless now. Brands and logos developed in corporate marketing departments are wallpapered over the workers who do the work, most of whom who continue to live hand to mouth despite our thank yous and calling them essential workers. We say they're essential, we name them and we recognize this. We feel gratitude in our hearts. It's a start, but it's not enough. Moreover, I have to admit with shame, my, my, my gratitude isn't just for them, for the work they do. At times I find myself grateful that I'm not one of them. I don't wake up wondering if I'll be able to pay my rents or have a sore throat and immediately fear that I may have caught COVID-19 from one of the hundreds of customers I came into contact with over the past week. Let me tell you that admission is painful and it's shameful because it borders on othering some of the most important people in modern society that I take for granted every day. My biggest fear is that I'll be back to fully taking them for granted again in 2022, falling right back into the habits of my own privilege. And this is where I have to stay hungry. Every four years, there's an election and we are told by people of every political persuasion and every pundit, it's the most important election in decades, if not ever. Every four years, it's the same refrain. And the reality is, in a lot of ways, it's true. Every four years, and the person that Americans elect to serve as president absolutely matters. That's something we've deeply, brutally, painfully learned over the past four years. But it would be really easy for me to get complacent now, right? I voted. My work's done. No, that's, that's not true. And we know that it's not true. And here's the thing. I'm not talking about what happens in Washington, D.C., my friends. I'm not talking about our national politics. I'm talking about the work here in our own community. We can't get complacent. We have to stay hungry for change. I have to stay hungry for change because the person sitting in the White House they don't have anything to do with the institutional structures in our own local governments. And it's those institutional structures that keep marginalized groups on the margins here in Ventura County. Who we elect for president is not going to break down the barriers that have made the Conejo Valley, Simi Valley, most of the rest of Ventura County overwhelmingly open to middle-class and welcome whites, 
and nearly impossible to gain entry to, to buy a home in, or to be a part of the community of for the rest of the socioeconomic and ethnic strata in Southern California. But my fear is that many of us will get complacent now, myself included. Forget about the very real important work in our own communities. Here's an example. In this statement, this might not sit well with some of you. The Thousand Oaks City Plan, this well thought out plan to keep growth slow, makes it almost impossible to develop affordable housing in our own community. Now, there's a lot of us that will justify it by pointing to the East and say, we don't wanna end up like the Valley. You know, the Valley where many of our essential workers live because they can't afford to live here, but they can't find work where they live. I can't get complacent. Not if I want to live my Unitarian Universalist principles. Of the seven principles, there's four in particular that I think really stand out in this regard. Our first principle, the inherent worth and dignity of every person. Our second principle of justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. Our sixth principle, the goal of world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all. And finally, our seventh principle, especially respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. Here's the bottom line. Not taking action is making a choice. You're choosing an action, even if it's inaction. And it's a choice that harms others. My mere participation in a system that's rigged to my benefits, even if I hide behind the defense that I didn't build the system with my old hands, participating in that system runs contrary to the principles of my chosen faith. I am personally responsible for helping break down those structures and helping heal our fractured society. Before the service, I noticed Dick Elsley's background has our mission that we have written in large letters on the wall to our sanctuary. Our mission is to nurture spiritually courageous people who transform the world through justice and compassion. But I need to be more. I think we need to be more. I can't, I can't just nurture spiritually courageous people who transform the world through justice and compassion. I have to be a spiritually courageous person who transforms the world through justice and compassion. I have to be spiritually courageous. I have to take action. 
Now, I know my son will grow up to see humanity as one people, no matter the color of anyone's skin, their gender, the gender of who they love. All of you will help foster that as part of his religious family. I don't just want that for my son. I don't just want that for all of our children. I want that for every child in our community. Even maybe especially the ones that never step foot in chalice, either in person or virtually. And I know if I use my privilege to break down the very structures that are the source of that privilege, then that day will come. By understanding privilege as part of my gratitude practice, I can move past entitlement. And that's how I can do that. The thing is that that day, that one day, when I know that the children in our community won't face the biases and the structures that keep so many people marginalized, that day isn't tomorrow. It's also not on January 20th on Inauguration Day. It won't be four years after that. Friends, the work will continue. Chances are we're going to pass it to our children and our children's children unfinished. And that may weigh on some of us. That may seem heavy. It may make the burden heavier to pick up. But take heart. Take heart, my friends. In these closing words from Winston Churchill, I can take heart. Every day you make progress. Every step may be fruitful. Yet there will stretch out before you an ever lengthening, ever ascending, ever improving path. You know you will never get to the end of the journey. But this, so far from discouraging, only adds to the joy and the glory of the climb. I'd like to close with some words from someone that's probably a little unusual to hear a quote from on Sunday mornings. That's Warren Buffett, uh, the billionaire investor, uh, who's also the, a founding member of the Giving Pledge, through which hundreds of the world's wealthiest people have pledged to give away more than $2 trillion of their wealth. Someone is sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago. It's a simple quote, but it has depth. It's not just a reminder to be grateful that someone planted a tree. It's not just a reminder that great things take time and can start very, very small. I think it's also a reminder to plant some trees for others. 
let us be the people who do the planning.